Welcome to the On Balance Podcast. If you are seeking to adjust and adapt to the challenges of this changing world while maintaining balance and peace in your life, this is the podcast for you. We share stories and suggestions aimed at identifying and helping you to stay on balance. So, let's get to it. Well, welcome. I hope everyone had a beautiful holiday. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere and you're in the United States, you had the 4th of July. For the rest of us in the Northern Hemisphere, it's a summer summer, summertime weather, finally. Uh, for those of you in the Southern Hemisphere, it's winter. Also a beautiful time of year. Wherever you are, I hope that you are well. Wanted to talk today about the idea of balance and grieving. How do you do? How do you do that? What made me come up with this was a conversation that I had with a friend the other evening. I was not in a good space. I was going through something that you would call a snarl. A snarl is when you have several issues affecting your life, but you're letting something small seem like it's the precipitator of it all. So let's say um, I was upset because people didn't, you know, move the bag of onions from one side of room to the other. But all of a sudden, not only was I upset, I was like upset, like ready to do serious damage to people's egos and fight about it. So my friend said, no, 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 no. There's something else going on. By the way, that was a terrible example, but you, you know where I'm going. And she was right. There were other things going on. As I am recording this, it is the 7th of July. You'll hear it after that time, more than likely. But the 7th of July is significant because on the 7th of July, we put my mother's physical body to rest. We buried her. We released her to her God. Now, it's been some years since we did that, but there are Things called numbers of completion. Some of them are 3, 9, 12, 40. Well, we were coming upon a number of completion in terms of the number of years that she had been gone. And unbeknownst to me, it was working with me on a very deep level. So that was a a concern. I was feeling some kind of way about the fact that my mother is no longer on the planet. Likewise, I have been going through one health challenge after another since the beginning of this year. And I'm not used to that. This is um, foreign territory for me. Not having custody over my thinking or my body and at different periods of time has been a real strain and a struggle for me. Still trying to deal with all we went through during COVID, adjusting to the changes that are taking place in life and the fact that 
the only thing real is change. And trying to determine what I wanted to do next in my life. So there were a number of things working on me and I had coalesced them around this one bag of onions. All right, again, a bad example. Anyway, she spoke with me until I was able to articulate the steps I was going to take, the routines I was going to institute, the mechanisms I was going to employ to get myself out of a very dark place. I was so frustrated. I just couldn't even see straight. I was so frustrated. And she'd make a suggestion and I'd say, I can't do that. And she'd say, why not? Why not? And I'd say, because I'm so angry and so frustrated that I'm just going to make the whole situation worse. I can't talk to anybody. I can't do anything until I can calm myself down and find my way back to clearer waters. So she listened to me as I listed some of the things that I was going to do. And after about an hour, I was feeling much, much better. After I got off the phone with her, I sat down and I picked up a card and I wrote down the coping mechanisms that I had. And it dawned on me that it would probably be a good idea to share those with you. Not because I expect you to use my coping mechanisms, but because it would be a good time for you to sit down and write out your coping mechanisms so that you don't end up in the dark place like I did. Or at least if you get there, you'll recognize it sooner than I did. So the very first thing I'm going to say is have that friend have that friend who will tell you, nope, I'm not going to let you off the phone. I'm not going to let you leave my presence. I'm not going to let you continue on in this conversation until we get to the bottom of what is going on for you, until you feel better, until I hear that you're breathing and coping. So that would be my first, that was the first thing I realized. I have to have someone in place to help me. The second thing I realized, or wrote down rather, was that I allow myself to feel it. I can't get to the other side of whatever negative feeling I'm having during that times of grieving if I don't allow myself to feel it. It's not comfortable feeling it, but once you allow it in, Let it do what it has to do. Let the feeling just be. It will pass. The next thing I thought of was journaling. I am a big time journaler. I've been journaling, wow, easily 30 years. And I found something unique in this instance. I had not been journaling. I didn't even know where my journal was. So something that usually gave me comfort and a sense of direction was missing. So I now knew that hmm, next time I know that if I can't find the journal or if I'm not journal or if I'm not writing, then I'm triggered and I need to step back and see how to get back on track.
Another thing I did, this is going to sound a little weird to some people, but it worked for me. I did a lot of screaming. I found um, a place in my city that was mostly residential and where there weren't a lot of stop signs or or um, traffic lights. And it ran for about a mile and a half. And so when I would turn onto that street, I would turn up my radio and I would scream to the top of my lungs. Now, mostly I used that when grief was fresh, like the first year or year and a half after I had lost uh, a loved one. But it really did help. Sometimes if I couldn't get to that street, I'd go to the cemetery and I'd scream there, but I would find a place where I could scream. And it needed to be in nature for some reason or other. It did not work at home. But out in nature, it, it really helped. Another thing that I do is I definitely have quiet time. I'm a meditator, but I'm also a Reiki practitioner. And I also do the emotional freedom technique, which is known as tapping. And so I take time to do those things. And... They help because I think that those are the things that allow me to sit with how I'm feeling and let it pass, as opposed to trying to ignore it and push it down. So quiet time, even if you don't do those things, is just really important. Just to be able to hear yourself think. There's a whole world going on inside your your head, and sometimes you just need to tune into it in quiet time helps me do that. Another thing I employ is letter writing. I am known to write letters to my deceased loved ones at any given time, telling them how I'm feeling, how much I miss them, the things I enjoyed about our relationships, what I've been doing that I want them to be a part of, because I believe that they're still around in some form or fashion. And then I'll hold on to the letter for a few days and read it. And I don't know why, but it brings me comfort to do that. And then after a few days, I um, generally will burn the letter. Another thing I'll do is just take a vacation. Sometimes I can't get unstuck and I just simply need to go away. I need to change my physical scenery because when I do that, my brain will shift and see possibilities where I might be stuck. It'll see new possibilities because I'm looking at uh, something I've never seen before. And so a, a vacation sometimes is helpful to me and it doesn't have to be a lot. It could be a half a day, a day, up to a week. It, it just sort of depends. Hmm. Another thing I like to do is perfect. This was a good one. I like this one because this was kind of a long-standing thing. There was a dish that my mother made. It was cornbread dressing that she would make during the holidays. And when she was alive, every year I would ask her, Mom, don't make the dressing. Wait till I get off work. I want to come over. I want to learn how to make the dressing. 
I would get off work, I'd go to her house, and of course the dressing was done. So when she passed, I decided to take it upon myself to try to figure out how she made that darn dressing. Uh, it only took me about five years to uh, at least get in the ballpark. But honestly, last year was the first year where my dressing, my cornbread dressing tasted good to me. And so when I do that perfecting the recipe uh, piece, it always feels like my mom is hovering around saying, you'll never make it like I did. But then she'll help me out. And, and it actually was tasty like hers. The other thing um, and this is not necessary, but if you feel the need, counseling, professional counseling. I had several deaths in my family, many family members, friends, co-workers. It seemed that for a 12-year period, I was always saying goodbye to someone and the thing that made it easiest, even when my father died, was knowing that my mother was still there. She was my anchor. She allowed me to continue on and carry on. And then when she died, I realized that I was laid out flat. And I know Les Brown has said that if you can look up, you can get up. What he failed to say was that there may be days when you won't want to get up. And that was where I found myself. And so, thanks to my medical doctor, I ended up in counseling. And I started counseling maybe July of the year. That's sorry. I'm sorry. We buried my mom in July. I started counseling in October. I don't remember anything from October until March or April of the next year. But I do remember how I felt. And I do remember how comforting it was to have someone listen to my stories about my mom, to help me begin the process of piecing together what life could look like if, well, without her. If I chose to go on, which of course I did, and without her, what could life look like? How could it be possible for me to be happy or content? And that brings me to the very last thing. People will say to you, it's very much a cliche, and I hate to hear it, but it really is true. People will say to you, it takes time. Give yourself time. Time, time, time. It was the last thing I wanted to hear, but it was absolutely <clears throat> what I needed to hear. <clears throat> Excuse me. And remember, there's something called child time or children time. I, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's about children. You know, you'll tell a child, okay, mommy's only going to be gone for 10 or 15 minutes. Well, a child has no frame of reference. So 10 minutes to a child is an eternity. I feel like that when I lose someone that I love. It's an eternity. No matter what I do, 
when I, if I get through a day, if I get through a week, if I get through a month, if I get through a year, at the end of that time, that person is still not coming back. And so it really, really, really is difficult to deal with the time thing. But I don't think people were talking about time in that way. They were talking about time soothing your soul, time allowing you to begin to appreciate the good, the wonderful things that happened in your relationships, the fact that eventually you will see that person again, hopefully, if, if that's what your belief is. But more than that, over time, you begin to heal. That scar, that wound that never heals totally does begin to heal up some and you find yourself laughing or you find yourself having a good day or you find yourself really feeling something genuine from your heart, feeling peace, contentment, and you're able to move on. So grief is a never-ending process. And some days are better than others. Some days are harder than others. I've given you my list, but my list isn't going to inform or help your life. My suggestion to you is that you sit down after you've listened to this and do your own list. What are the things that will comfort you? What are the things that will keep you in balance once you have experienced a loss? Some people like to exercise. Some people like to read. I'm hoping that you're not going to say that you're going to drink or drug or anything like that because... I don't know that that's helpful, but I do challenge you to sit down and come up with the arsenal of things that you're going to use to get yourself through and to keep yourself in balance during what can be a very difficult spell when the pangs of loneliness and missing the person come up. We can get through this. We really can. I think about my mom. She got through it when her mother passed. My dad got through it when his mother passed. And they seemed to be happy and well-adjusted and okay. And so if they could do that, so can I. And so can you. So that's all I have to share for today. As always, I consider it a privilege and a pleasure that you allow me to share the space between your ears. If you need to get in touch with me, please contact me at reikibreak at outlook.com or consider following us at the On Balance Podcast on Facebook or Reiki Break on Facebook. We're also on Instagram as Reiki Break. So, until next time, take care of your mind, take care of your heart, take care of your body, and stay on balance. Bye-bye.